What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 119 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Aiken, and joining me fresh off a trip to PAX East is my co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, my goodness, how was PAX? Look, it was was absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I am sick as a dog. I've got I've got two kids that are also sick as well, so it's it's a little rough going for me right now. But uh, PAX was awesome. Uh, met a lot of amazing people. Met people that I had met uh, through the streaming communities, um, through Voodoo and and those partners. It was uh, it was good. It wasn't too cold. It was in Boston, so the days were they were cooler, but they were nice. The the nighttime not that was a whole another thing. Uh, but all in all, it was fantastic. Saw some really cool indie games and, and, uh, I know, uh, Gearbox was there. There was all kinds of cool panels. Um, it was fantastic. It felt good being back at a convention, getting to see people and hug people and stuff like that. So no complaints on my end. I, I got in last night and, uh, you, you can see I got the uh, the swag on, so uh, it was good, man. How was your weekend, brother? My weekend was not nearly that exciting, but uh, <laughs> just kind of relaxed. Did an escape room uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, nice. Look, okay, we're gearing up for... Uh, I'm a fan of the Saw franchise, and there's a Saw escape mm-hmm. room out here, so we're like slowly building toward it, and one of us is excited for it. Uh, not her, <laughs> but I'm super <laughs> pumped to try it out. So I am just, just ready to tackle that one. And uh, I told her, I was like, we need some practice rounds because uh, I'm not going to, I'm not kidding around when it comes to that Sauscape room. I'm like, <laughs> I want to beat that one <laughs> really badly. So I just, just gearing up for that. <laughs> but other than that, it was, it was nice. Uh, I survived the wind. It's been windy as heck out here in Las Vegas I heard about that. and my allergies are not okay with that. So if the wind ever wants to stop, uh, that would be nice of it. But enough about us. We are joined today by a very, very special guest. Uh, someone that uh, actually ran into thanks to a mutual connection at Dice out here in Las Vegas a couple months ago already. And we are pleased to welcome Jason Kelly, the voice of Colt in Deathloop to Land yes. Parties. Jason, how are you doing, my friend? Boom, boom, boom. I'm doing great. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Did I hear you say correctly? I heard you correctly say you do. do you guys have a saw escape room being built in Vegas? It's already built. It's open, and and so we're. I am just gearing up. If you're, are you a fan of the Saw series? I like. I've watched some of the Saw series. I love escape rooms, but I don't know if I'm gonna put myself into a saw <laughs> escape room because that's. That's how that's how these horror movies get started. If somebody mm-hmm. in one of these games, and they'd be like, "Oops, I don't know what happened." But you was in a saw escape room, and like you got got. I've been trying to recruit two more people to join us. So uh, Ryan and Jason, this conversation is not over. Yo, I'm not going. I'm on board. <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna escape the front lobby. I'm gonna walk in and go. Nope. And turn right around. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I would do it. I, I enjoy uh, escape rooms. I've done. I've only done one one time. Uh, but having that horror element to it, I feel like that would kick it up a notch for sure. You know what? I'll take one of one of the two of, of joining us at Saw. I'll take that as a win right now. So, Ryan, I'm going to need you to up your escape room game here uh, for a while. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I will do the Calling best I out. can. That's all I can. I know. I, that's all the best I can Shots do. Shots fired. You know? <laughs> like, I feel like in a situation like that, though, I do it like if it were more of closer to a life and death thing, like my brain's going to be working. Like I ain't going out like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but... First, before we get into it, obviously, and, and I'm super ex- excited to speak with you, Jason. Uh, I absolutely love Deathloop. It was amazing. The acting uh, in it, everything about it was was awesome. Um, we're going to get into that here in a second. But first, Lucas, we got some news to jibber-jab about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, st- uh, let's start with a game that I'm actually kind of excited for. Uh, Splatoon 3 got a release date for September. And... I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, we we know that Nintendo has has struggled to find its answer to like the uh, squad based or even just any multiplayer shooter games. Mm-hmm. And so Splatoon was kind of like their answer to it. And I actually really love this series. It's it's fun. Uh, it's colorful. It's it's just as addicting as, as any of those other sh- shooter games. Uh, I like the team based games because I can actually feel like I'm contributing without having to be. Uh, an ace, <laughs> uh, just straight up shooting other people. Uh, so honestly, I put in hours and hours and hours into Splatoon 2. So I am super excited to see Splatoon 3 come out. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys are Splatoon fans, but this this one could be uh, my low-key game of the fall here that I'm going to probably oh. spend the most time with. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I've never played Splatoon before. I'm familiar with some of the characters from like Smash is like where I know and like the only kind of interaction I've had with them. Um, but I know that there's a lot of people that are excited for this. And they, I remember when they first announced it, like there's a lot of people that are pretty hyped up about it. So it's like the Splatoon community uh, is there and they're definitely there for it. Do you know, are there like any kind of like what kind of changes are they bringing in from Splatoon 2? You know, I, I'm sure that there's going to be a ton of new weapons, uh, hopefully some new game modes and maps. Uh, I think I think if there was an issue that I had with Splat- Splatoon 2 is it felt more like Splatoon 1.5 rather than a true sequel. Uh, uh, so I, I think it would be nice to see them take some more risks uh, with the gameplay and have it feel like a more substantial update. Uh, Splatoon 2 came out in the launch window of the Switch, so it was kind of that period where it felt like we were getting uh, a lot of Wii U uh, re-releases mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than like true Switch experiences, and Splatoon 2 very much felt like kind of an enhanced version of the first Splatoon. Uh, so I'm looking for this to be that sequel that uh, I think Splatoon fans were waiting and hoping Splatoon 2 was going to be. Yeah. Jason, is this a game? Have you ever played any of the uh, Splatoons? I got to be honest. I'm not that much of a gamer. I was for the, probably the first part of the 2000s. And then I just got, I've shared this before, I got so busy with my craft, learning my craft, that I just had to make a choice. I was like, right. okay, I'm either going to be out working on my craft or I'm going to be at home playing on a game. And I just ended up turning my PS5 into, I mean, my PS2 or 3 into a, um, into a DVD player, um, yeah. which it did make really good DVDs. 
It did. It did really good. I, that was right when Netflix was coming out, and I, I think I had, I had loaded every single Morgan Freeman movie into my queue because I was like studying this dude. Yeah, I, I really haven't gotten into the gaming. I haven't gotten into playing. I, they, I did get a PS5 recently, um, and so you know I have a game I'm, I need to play that I haven't fully played yet. Uh, but it's just, it's tough with kids and busy career. It's really, really tough to find time where I don't, it's tough to find time where I will sit down and play versus sit down and fall asleep. I'm being one. Right. Um, that is real. That makes sense. Like that's just, and it, and it's either that or play with my kid. And I'm like, always, it's one of those other two fall out, but I end up watching my nephews. My nephews are big mm-hmm. games and there's actually, um, there's also this, uh, a, a cyber, I don't, a cyber lounge right up the street from where I live. And oh. yeah. And I've walked up in there a couple of times and it's just got people in there playing. And so I've stood yeah. there and watched a few folks play some of the games and uh, they didn't have death loop loaded up, but you know, there they, how it's not they? for everybody. <laughs> not for everybody. You know, um, you don't know, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not enough. I don't, I'm not versed enough to know, to know the differences between what, what you're talking about. I wish I was, but I'm just not. Now, now I'm curious, early on in your acting career, were there a couple of actors besides Morgan Freeman or a couple of uh, either like series or movies that you look to uh, that you're like, yeah, that's that's what I want to work toward to get to like that level. Morgan Freeman, um, <laughs> Morgan Freeman, <laughs> like he, you know, he was easy reader for me on Sesame mm-hmm. Street. I mean, Electric Company. So he literally helped teach me how to how to talk like and how to right. read. And so he's always been that to me before he was everything else he became to the world. So he had an, he left an indelible mark. Mike Beach, um, who uh, was in uh, the first thing I ever saw him in was Lean on Me, playing opposite of Morgan Freeman, who has gone on to become he was one of my, act, my one of my first acting coaches and my co-star oh, wow. on Mayor of Kingstown. So I got to spend the whole summer in Toronto palling around with him. He's all, his work has always just been really riveting to me, and I've always studied his work. Um, he had a big run during the, the 90s and 2000s with um, Soul Food and like uh, How Stella Got a Groove Back and just mm-hmm. everything that he was in. I think he was in St- uh, How Stella Got a Groove Back, I think. Yeah. And anyway, yeah, I mean, he's always been left a big impact. Right now, I've been really, I've been on Gr- Brian Cranston's work for years. Yeah. Like, before he really blew up and just paying attention to how he does what he does. Um, I think he's phenomenal. Dustin Hoffman made an impact when I was younger because these are all movies that I, like, I saw Kramer and Kramer when I was a kid. So movies like that, mm-hmm. an actor would impact me and I'd start paying attention to what they, what they did. and. And then all of it kind of went dormant for a while while I was doing the corporate thing and not really sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't really paying that much attention to what people specifically did. Obviously, I always liked Denzel's work, but I never found myself mimicking Mr. Washington and his work. I never I never found myself playing him whenever, you know, we were playing out scenes with friends. It was always Eddie Murphy or Morgan Freeman or, you know, a couple of people that I would tap into. Um, Eddie Murphy left a huge impact on me, uh, earlier on from a comedic standpoint, 
just because of the characters he played. And, you know, at that time, you know, in the 80s, you've got to rewind the clock and remember that there weren't a lot of black male stars that right, were being right. promoted in mass <laughs> saying, hey, this is the person. <clears throat> it was pretty much a handful. I mean, and when I say handful, I mean one handful. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was yep. Eddie. It was a young Denzel from coming from St. Elsewhere, and they really weren't checking for him when he became a movie star. But it was him. Obviously, at that time, Sidney Poitier was still in the mix. Uh, Jim Brown. Mm -hmm. Jim Brown Mm -hmm. made a crossover from some of the uh, 70s movies that he was in. He was able to cross over a little bit and play a different kind of leading man, which I don't think Hollywood really was interested or wanting to. Jim Brown's a very specific type of black male and black male energy. And they weren't really down for that in it. Jim Brown had enough cool that he wouldn't walk up on stage and slap somebody. But if he saw so- he <laughs> he would probably sock somebody back in. Like he was that different kind of dude, and nobody would say anything. But like Jim oh, Brown, man, what Jim you, Brown, what you expect? It's Jim <laughs> Brown. <laughs> you know what I mean? He like exactly. no one would expect that. So it's it's <laughs> uh, you know I I have had my influences, but. At this point in my career, I'm really studying the people who, and actors and actresses, who, it's not so much about them being able to play different characters, it's how intense they have and hold their thoughts, and how still they keep their outside. Because that's, that's the kind of work that draws me in and makes me just stare at them. Because it's so potent what's going on, and, and I say this to anybody and everybody. If you ever have a chance to see Brian Cranston live on stage, do yourself a favor. Because if you think he's great on screen, he's one of the few actors I know that's a massive TV screen star who's even more electrifying on stage. Hmm. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah. And his book is phenomenal. I just got done listening to it. Uh, It's weird. Like, he's a white, white, white dude. And... We've got, he grew up in the valley of San Fernando Valley, and I grew up in Virginia and all over, you know, Germany and Virginia. And our ways into this, our paths are so parallel, it's ridiculous. I resonate so much with this man's story uh, Hmm. that I really hope to work with him and study, like work with him so that I can study uh, up close and in person, uh, because I think he's one of the finest actors out there. Uh, Don Cheadle is... Mm -hmm like a gift, an acting gift to this earth. He's so good. Very, and I don't understand how he doesn't have an Academy Award. He's right? amazing. Right? He's amazing. So, I have my, I have my likes. Most, most of the people that I really, really like, really, really into, got famous later in life, but they were always great, and I can tell you the first thing I saw them in, and I leaned in on them then, and wasn't surprised to see what their careers became. Most of the people don't like most of their stuff. People won't even remember it. Brian right. Cranston did a pre- did a preparation H commercial in the eighties, <laughs> and he was just so cool, hand Luke about it. And I went, dude was like cool. <laughs> and I remember it. I remember Brad Pitt's first commercial it was a Pringles spot. Came out oh, my wow. man. And he was like the volleyball guy. And oh, yeah, that dude. Charlize Theron, I love her work. First time I saw her was in Devil's Advocate. 
She, they, they put the mm-hmm. camera on her, lean forward, and everybody's like, oh, wow, she's beautiful. I'm like, do you see what she's doing right now? Like, she's amazing. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Right? She's amazing at what she's doing. And I went, oh, she's going to be a superstar. Superstar. Right. She's just, everybody, they all have this little, I don't know, it's like this little hint of a thing. I'm kind of the canary in the, in the, in the mind. I could see mm-hmm. what someone has before it becomes the thing everybody knows them for. Right. And Morgan, with Morgan, Mr. Freeman, it was, it was absolutely that. Um, with Don Cheadle in Colors, he played, um, oh, God, not Turbo, not, I can't remember his name, and the char- his character in this movie Colors. It was Ice T's first. It was Ice T, Sean Penn. Okay. And it was a, wow. like a dark, deep, South Central, I believe, gang movie about Crips and Bloods. It was like the first time Crips and Bloods had been put on screen. And mm-hmm. Don Cheadle played the head of the gang. And he only had like a small, intimate, intense part where they actually put him on screen. And he was, he chilled us to our bones. He was terrifying. And I just remember how distinctly better he was than everybody in that film. Right. And I went, who's that? He's going to be a beast. And he is. He is. (laughs) I feel like also what we've learned is that you could also be a talent agent. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if, if you ever want to transition to that side of the business, my goodness, yeah. I feel like you, you have a heck of an eye for talent. Right. Uh, I actually do. It's ironic you say it because I've, <clears throat> I've had this conversation with every single person, every single agent that has represented me. I have mm. told them. And, they, and I know they don't get what I'm saying because most of them don't get what I do, what we do as artists. Mm-hmm. Some do, but most can't actually do what we do as artists. But I've said to them, look, I used to be in sales. And one of the things that I've had a gift for is I have an eye for talent that's spot on. It's never wrong. I'm always right. And if I wasn't sitting in this seat, I'd be in your seat doing your job. And I'd be probably doing it better than you doing. Because I'm not going to be just repping a bunch of bodies and a bunch of people. I'm going to be looking for talent. People who have a thing that you can't put your finger on, but if you nurture it and groom it and put it in the right environment, it's going to flourish and grow. Yep. I would probably be a phenomenal talent. I probably would. I went to high school with um, Chloe and Hallie's mom. We were okay. friends from high school. We ran track together. And okay. the first time I saw Courtney's kids doing one of their, mu- their videos where they did a cover of Beyonce, I went, what? Are you kidding? I was just leaning in, looking at the screen going, do you hear what they're doing with this song? Like, they're not mimicking what they've heard. They're making right. Beyonce's music their own with all these intricate runs and splits. And I was like blown away with their gift. And Courtney hit me up early on when they were moving out here from Atlanta. I was like, yo, can you, we're coming out. Do you think you can help me out with representation and get me connected to a couple people, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm actually taking meetings right now uh, for myself. So I'll have a couple of conversations with these people. And I did. And I pitched, soft pitched them. I was like, look, by the way, while you're considering me, these young ladies are the daughters of a really good friend of mine from high school. They're gifted. They're not just talented. They're gifted. They have something. They've applied skill to their gift. And they're, 
they're going to be something special. No one was interested. No one. To the point, a year later, they had gotten out here, and I'm not going to say names, and I'm just going to say it this way. They've been trying to get connected with this one studio. Mm -hmm. And this was a text that she sent me or an email she sent me. They're trying to get connected with this one studio and they're just not really interested and they're having, you know, they're just really not interested. I said, look, don't worry about it. The kids are great. They're brilliantly talented. Let them just continue to do the work and be out here. And at some point, that particular studio is going to be fawning over themselves for right. your daughters. One of them is about to become a princess in that world. Wow. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm not saying specifics. I'm not saying specifics because I like that studio and I want to work with that studio and I have worked with that studio. But the people that were on the inside at the time didn't have the vision to see how these two young women could become something more. And I think in order for you to, in order for you to understand talent, you either have to have a lot of it or you have to be so void of it that you know what it looks like when you see it. Right. I'm actually probably the latter. I don't think I'm that talented. I think I'm really skilled. I think I'm really, really skilled. Very skilled. I work very hard at my craft. It's something I wanted to do. It's something I knew I could do. I was like, I can make money doing this. And I can transform my life doing this and it could be fun. And I don't have to have a boss, somebody telling me what to do. Um, right. Most, most of the time, except for when I'm working, because I have a director producers and they always are telling you what to do and that's fine. But I went, I can learn this. And hopefully there's something in there that is a seed of the gifts that I think a lot of other people have that I can grow and nurture and it can turn into a tree that will feed me. But there are people right. that come in and they've got rivers and farms and seeds in them that's, that can feed millions. I don't know that I have that. I still don't. I just don't. And I'm just being really honest and being really, I'm not being humble. I'm being really, really honest. And I've seen it time and time and time again. And, and when I say this, I, when I say I'm never wrong, I, 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 I'm friends with people that are superstars right now. And I'm like, yeah, it was obvious. Right. When I first met him, I went, oh, yeah, that person. Oh, just it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. And I used to say stuff out loud to people. Mm-hmm. And what I found out was people would be like, well, what about me? I'm going, mm. yeah. <laughs> 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 you should just maybe you should think yeah. about doing something different. Um, and so I realized it's like a double-edged sword, like when you're geeked on somebody and you know why you're geeked on them, but other yeah. people are standing around and going, pick me, pick me. Um, cause I'm usually the pick me, pick me person. And I realized how much that doesn't, how bad that feels. And so right. I stopped doing it, but, um, put it this way. If I were to ever switch gears and be in that lane, I would fashion myself after Clive Davis. And Quincy okay, Jones, because yeah. those those are the two guys. Who I went, oh, these are moguls that know how to find talent, groom talent, put talent right, in the right, right vehicle, and then they pop flourish, and then and then they sit back, and everybody's like, 
oh, could you do this for this person, that person? And then everybody comes to you. It's like that Jerry Maguire moment. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. it flips and now everybody's coming to you and you're not pushing on them. And to circle back around for me, okay, I do know that I'm talented in certain ways. <laughs> There's a gift in me. <laughs> but I do believe that it's been measured, right? And the best example I can give is this. I was growing up, my brother was a superstar at great at everything he picked up. He's a big guy, but he could play soccer, baseball, basketball, bowling, football, wrestling. Try he was amazing. Um, I was really fast. I was really good in, I was, I had potential to be great in track. I was a uh -huh. really good soccer player because as a defender, <laughs> nobody could get past me and stay past me because I'd just run them down and slide tackle. And I, and I had a strong leg and I could always clear it. Um, and I could read offices and I was a great defender. And in football, I was a really good defensive back because again, I could read things. It's the same mechanism. Right. Oh, that person's going to be a superstar. Oh, the running back's coming this way. And then I just level them in the back. Right. So I had that talent and that was my gift. Like, that is my real gift is I can read stuff in the ether that isn't there yet. I know that I have specific gifts. And I've nurtured those and I've nurtured them in a field that allows them to flourish and multiply. And it wasn't until I really started leaning into voiceover and gaming and animation that this gift started to come to the surface in the way that it came to the surface. I get rushed to the surface and I've been working, I've been, I've been working at my craft since 2004. And probably didn't call myself an actor until 2010. And at the time, I mean, I was doing a ton of work behind the scenes and on stage and just working all the time, but I didn't have the guts to call myself an actor until probably five years into it. So it's interesting that VO voice has been the thing that's opened up magnificent for, magnificently for me in a very, very short period of time. Sorry. You asked me a simple question, but there's a lot. No, no you're fine. I no, I, I think uh, I, I think that that's uh, fascinating to to hear that process. What <laughs> now? Now I'm super curious here. Um, what changes when, when you said you didn't have the guts to call yourself an actor until five, six years in into it? What changed? Like what made you go feel comfortable with embracing that title and 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 kind of claiming? On, on what you were, what you're doing. Um, I was dating somebody at the time who was an established actress who kept on trying to make me understand that I was doing, that I was doing and had done a lot more than most. Right. Who were calling themselves actors and were making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in the craft. But, you know, even though I said, yeah, I can make money in this, I didn't go, oh, I'm just willing to go I'm willing to just go be on camera for any reason. I, was, I didn't want to be an influencer. I wanted to actually be an actor. Mm -hmm. There were two things that happened, and they all happened within the time frame of me dating this She was a phenomenal actress. She's really great at what she does. And she had a similar journey where she came from. She didn't get the accolades, and she didn't get the pedigree of going to the universities and all that, but she hit the streets and went to work. Um, right. And so I always identified that. One, we were at dinner one night. I was, we were at the bar and I had just been studying Lawrence Fishburne, uh, James Earl Jones and Morgan Freeman 
and Samuel L. Jackson's way of speaking, their voices. And I had broken them down. And James Earl Jones chews his vowels and yes. just kind of sits in his vowels, right? And Lawrence Fishburne talks under his breath and puts punctuation in along with the thought as he's talking. Now, I, do, I don't do a great Fishburne, <laughs> but he's thinking about what he's talking about while he's talking. Sam Jackson just, he enunciates and says whatever he wants to say when he says it, and it's, everything's a punch, and everything's got some power behind it when he's talking. And I went, huh. And he ends with punk, he ends almost, he ends a lot of, with exclamation mark. And then Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman takes his time. Uh, placing pauses where, well, they don't necessarily belong. And as I'm saying this, I turn around and he's walking towards us. <laughs> and she's looking at me going, do you see what you just manifested? And I'm like, ah! And he walks up and he recognized her and they had a quick conversation. He looked at her. He was like eyeing her a little bit. And I was like, hey, player, I mean, <laughs> God bless you, dog. Oh, this is what's going on. This is my inner monologue. God bless you, dog, but on my mama. If you eyeball my, my lady like this again, I swear for God, we're going to find out. We're going to find out just how good of a God you were playing him. <laughs> look, pimping. Stand down, son. Um, but inside, that's what was going on inside. And then on the outside, it was, Mr. Morgan Freeman, how you doing? And I'm sure I was gushing way more. And we were talking and I introduced myself. And he said, well, are he asked me if you're an actor. And I was like, well, in my brain, I went, do I let him know that I can do an impersonation of him? No, don't do that. That's <laughs> don't, do that. don't do that. And then I went, my brain just synapsed. And he asked me if I was an actor. Now, mind you, I was understudying this one role in a play that uh, was two and a half hours long. It was the lead, uh, lead antagonist. And I was great at it. Like uh, I was working with some fantastic actors that, and a director that took her time developing. me. And again, I'm coming out of the improv and sketch world and stepping on the stage, like real stage for the first time where I'm right. opposite heavy hitters. Right. And I have to hold my own. And it, I was phenomenal. And I'm not patting my back. I just did the work, right? So mm -hmm. I did that and was great. And it just got done with the weekend where I got, I got two shows that I got to do. And the lead, God bless him, he's, he's no longer with us, Billy Mayo. I know he didn't like the fact that I was his understudy because like, I had the audience right here, right? Right. And people were coming up to me telling me, you're not an understudy. Like, you should be playing this role. And they were doing write-ups and talking about it. So I was doing that. And then, it, so I was rehearsing and doing that during the evening, prepping for that. And then I was in another show, a live show in Pasadena called Inside Private Lives, where we took an infamous character from history, told a story about a factual situation that happened in their real life, but fabricated the entire story around it. It's a seed of an idea. And then we made the audience characters in our lives. And so I played oh. Tupac. It was a fascinating show. Fascinating show. 
there was one woman who played the creator of Tupperware and having Tupperware parties, and she was having a Tupperware party with the audience and made them people in her world. There was another person who, uh, I can't remember his name, but he, um, he was one of the first psychologists that wanted to experiment with psychedelic drugs with inmates uh, in the jail. Yeah, yeah. And so he made people, the audience, he made them the warden and the state and the governor. And your whole thing was you wanted to get a want from them. Right. Yes or no. And if you got a yes, you win. If you got a no, you know, you, you're out. And it was scripted and improvised. And we'd be interacting with these people. I played Tupac, who'd just gotten out of jail, who was at the Christmas party for, Inter for Interscope Records, asking Jimmy Iovine and the rest of Interscope if he could put out a holiday album called Homeless for the Holidays. And it's based off of a real, and I'm getting to a point, it's based off of a real interview that he did with Dome TV Raps back in the 90s where he's in the studio working and they, he was saying, you know, I want to do a lot of things. You know, I want to do, you know, Bing Crosby got to act and he got to sing and he got to dance. He put out Christmas albums. He said, I want to put out a Christmas song. I think I'd make a fire holiday song. And I took that idea and turned it into, and so we had Jimmy Iovine and somebody, and it was a great show. Now, mind you, I had to write the whole thing. We staged it, costumed it. That was my trip. That work was my stage training, upstage, downstage. And we did the uh -huh. show in past South Pasadena, predominantly older white crowd. They bugged out, loved it. And <laughs> you're sprinkling in, you have to sprinkle in things that your character really said in life and right. figure out a mm -hmm. way to work it in so that it made sense. So here I am sitting there telling in an audience of people who know nothing about Tupac. They'd ask me a question and it perfectly fit. And I'd say, I think people should, rich people should be poor and poor people should be rich and they should switch every week. Something that Pac said in an interview. Roaring applause, right? I'm doing both of these shows simultaneously. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm burning the candle at both ends. Then I meet Morgan Freeman and he asked me if I'm an actor and I went, and he says, you know, the best way to become a good actor, son, I never quit <laughs> and patted me on my back and walked away. And I went, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, <laughs> but he gave me a really good note. And it was, and, and then fast forward years later, three years later, I was listening to an old interview old, old interview of him talking about how he got started. And he was working in an office in New York somewhere in like an accountant's office or something. And he wanted to be an actor. And somebody said, go, the way you become an actor is go get started and don't quit. And his point was to me, you're on the path. You may not be able to answer the question I just asked you, but I remember when I couldn't answer that question. And it was almost a challenge of, just get started and don't stop. And I know one of these days I'm going to bump into him. Right. And he's going to, and if he asks me, I'm going to have an answer. Right. So you asked me how, what changed? Um, right. Plus I'm doing, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> it was that moment where I went, you need to start owning what you've done. You need to start owning who you are and you need to start owning the work that you've put out and you need to call yourself an actor because no one else will if you don't how can you be 
How can you be pursuing this craft and don't even have the gumption to call yourself what it is that you're pursuing and expect other people to want to hire you and want to work with you? Right. And I don't know, just a light switch just kind of went on. I went through a lot through that relationship and bad breakup and you learn a lot about yourself. As I was healing and getting stronger as a human being and a man, uh, I was cast in the original stage play of One Night in Miami in L.A. Mm -hmm. that went on to become uh, an Amazon Prime movie that, uh, what you call it, Regina, I believe, won her uh, Academy Award for, and it got nominated for an Academy Award. I could be incorrect about part of that, but nonetheless, I played Jim Brown. And, you know, I'm in the playbook, the, the playbook that, you know, you can go to Sam French and buy a play. I played two roles. I originated the role of Malcolm X's security guard and then co-originated, I co-originated that and co-originated Jim Brown. My name is the only name in that book twice of all the actors. And this is like 2013. And I think all these things happening made me go, oh, I'm an actor. I've been doing this longer than I was doing corporate America and selling in corporate America. Like this is what I am. This is what I do. And it's okay to own that. And you're not giving lip service to being an actor. Like, you know, somebody goes, well, I've act, I've done acting and I've done actors, actoring. You ain't <laughs> ever understudied nobody. Right. You ain't never, you've never played the part, killed it and then not get offered the opportunity to go play it at a bigger stage. And they gave it to somebody else who's done Broadway or some big regional theater. You never had to sit in being offered the smaller part when you killed the big part. You've never gone from playing the smallest role in a piece to the, to the role that never gets off stage and made the transition seamlessly in a week. Like I started realizing, oh, I've been doing the work. There's a difference between stars mm -hmm. and actors. Mm -hmm. Some stars are not actors, but all actors are stars. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> that was good. Put that one, put that one on a poster. Exactly. <laughs> All day. And it was, honestly, look, that's what made me realize. And, and it, 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 these were all series of small little moments where, like, the, 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 the mother, I loved watching. I, one of my favorite movies is Five Heart. Love that movie by uh, Robert Townsend. It's a musical. Uh, it's a musical around a fictitious group that's similar to the Temptations and the Drifters. The music soundtrack is phenomenal. I love it. I've watched it every time it's on. And the mother, a uh, uh, choir boy's mom, in the play, was the only one that encouraged choir boy to go trust his gift and his talent. And she, when he was leaving, his dad was like preaching. He's like, "No, son, you cannot serve two gods." Uh, blah, 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 blah. And just hitting him with the Bible. And choir boy's like, man, I want it. And his mom goes, son, son, here, you take this Bible, you go on the road, you have a good time and you bring me a gold record, okay? You bring me home a gold record. And she encouraged him, right? I love that scene because I never got that experience. Mm. And it's because nobody in my family really knew that I was talented. Um or had any kind of artistic gifts and they didn't know how to culti cultivate that. Right. It was always there, but they didn't know how to cultivate it. And so they didn't know how to shine on it. 
she did that. And she came up and approached me in the play that I was understudying. After one of those nights, she came up to me and was like, son, you are not an understudy. You a star. And she gave me that energy. She said, you a star. And here's my card. And if you ever need to coach or train or anything, you, you call me. You go, you call me, son. And she put her hand on my cheek. And I'm going, I'm weeping. <laughs> yes. So you start stringing those things together. And I started stepping back and going, oh, look how your life's been orchestrated the second you made a real decision about an art form that you knew nothing about but respected enough to learn as much as you can about and humble enough to not call yourself it until you'd earned the right to call yourself it. Right. And that was my, that, those were the things that flipped my switch. And it all happened within about a three-year period of time. And wow. people ask me today, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an actor. I get paid, I'm a working actor and I get paid very well to do what it is that I do and I'm great at what I do. And I don't even hesitate and I don't care who it is. You cast me in whatever, sit me across the table in a scene, but me and Pacino, if it's that, okay, let's go. Now, right. like I'm, I'm fearless about it now. I have so much fun doing it. I got a family I support off of this, man. So no one can take that from me because I did the work, I walked every step and it took a long time and I'm not where I want to be but mm -hmm. I'm not where I was when I started and I am this now. And I don't know. I am. So be it. Yeah. Let me ask what, like, cause I mean, you've done a lot. Your hands were, have been all in and out of both, you know, on the back end and obviously in front with ending or ending uh, with acting. Um, what would you say has been, one of your favorite mediums, be it theater, voice acting, uh, just on film. Like, what is it to you that really gives you that energy and that just, ah, uh, this is like, I love, I could do this every single day. Yeah. Stage. Like, I, I'm stage. Stage is, is stage is the only medium that is an actor's medium to tell stories because it's us. We own it once plays in our hands and ingested in our bodies and it's been directed and staged once we're up it's ours to make it we want to make it eight shows a week right and it's the only place where we get to constantly rehearse the piece in performance live in front of an audience that's giving us immediate feedback every you know every time you're up there and it's a grind and it's hard and it's exhausting but it also is the only thing that builds your muscles it's that it, it is it is pure professional acting. It is, it is on the same level as any pro athletics. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't, you got it, it's a lifestyle, right? I've never, I have yet to have the fortunate opportunity to do anyone, any of the major, major markets theater. I've not done New York or the West end or even Chicago. Um, I have done a lot of theater out here. I love it. The next thing closest to that is voice. I've had so much fun in the voiceover process. And, and when I say voice, it's really gaming. You know, I've done a lot of VO in different capacities. Mm -hmm. Some of it I like less than others, but those pay really, really well. So I'll do them. Um, but gaming and animation is the closest to being on stage 
of any of the other mediums of performance that I've experienced. You've, you're figuring it out. There's no having to get it. There's no pressure of having to get it right in one take. You're exploring it. And there is an associated cost to working in the voiceover space because studio time costs money, but you can Frankenstein, you know, they editors can Frankenstein performances together, uh, in right. that world. You can, you can always give yourself another take. You can have a moment of inspiration and after reading it three times, you can have a moment of inspiration and say the line again. Uh, if, if you're in there with another actor, you're playing off of each other and it's live and you get the chance to do it again with TV and film. I love it. I love the medium of it. It's less, it's not as easy to Frankenstein. It costs way more. So you just, there's no wiggle room, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot more pressure. There's a reason why TV and film stars get paid what they get paid. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's way a reason why there's more money over yeah. it. And I thoroughly enjoy it. I really do enjoy it, but I have yet to be able to experience it on a collaborative level where I'm making decisions along with the director and the, like I'm, I'm at a level where they want my input. They right. want me to bring everything of my, all the, all of the character. I have yet to get to that. I've been close. Uh, the closest was working on Mayor Kingstown last summer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's on Paramount plus that was a great experience. We were on location. We were there for the whole time. It was a little tribe. We were doing something different, doing something new. We had a lot of fun doing it. I only got to do, I got to do one scene with Jeremy Renner, but I learned a ton just in that small, like four hour window of working with him and the way Taylor Sheridan shoots and how he writes. I look forward to an opportunity to work with that man again, because he's probably, he's the best writer on TV today for the way, for the type of man and actor I am. He writes the type okay. of material that I resonate. I'm wired a specific way. And the stuff he writes, I'm like, that's the kind of, that, that, that's my type of, that's my man's man. That's me. Right. Right. I identify with words have weight and there's consequences to it. I identify with said wrong thing. You're going to get dealt with swiftly. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why and how, and then I'm going to let you go. I identify with that. I identify with having a passion for what you're living in and a code. Really, a code of yeah. just a code of conduct. I I'm mm -hmm. wired that, you know. I think you do something to harm women and children, you get dealt with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Period. Like that's just it. You mess with somebody's family, you get dealt with. Like yep. there's a lot of things out here you can mess around with. Don't mess around with a grown man's family. It's dumb. It's dangerous. There shouldn't be consequences for it. There should be consequences for the action, but there shouldn't be consequences for the for the for for what comes back to you when you do. Uh, and I'm wired right. like that. So, if you're asking my, the the two areas that kind of just get me juiced and gassed the most, it's been stage and always will be stage. And after that, vo vo's man, it's fun. God, it's fun. I had so much fun doing Deathloop and Horizon Forbidden West and all the video games that I've done that I can't even talk to you guys about. I just did one. <laughs> I just did one. I can't tell you what it was, but um, it's a character that I love playing. I've played him before 
different universes. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's a fun character to play. And there's, I'm, I got another video game coming up next month. I'm actually going to be playing a couple. Nate, mm-hmm. I can't even talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of video games, uh, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, let's jump into all things Deathloop and get into that. We'll be right back with Jason. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And Jason, we got to obviously start with Deathloop. Uh, Obviously, the reception since its release has been amazing. Numerous nominations across a bunch of different awards. I would be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, Jason, for you, most recently being nominated at the BAFTAs. Had to have been just an amazing, amazing experience. I want to start at the beginning because from a narrative perspective, if Colt and Juliana's interplay doesn't work, the story falls flat. Like, yeah. like this isn't a game like an Uncharted where we can like imprint ourselves. Like that relationship has to seem real and entertaining and has to hit. So early on, were you conscious of that fact that like the uh the interplay between you two had to be top notch for this story really to have its full impact? And how long did that kind of take to you guys to, to develop that groove? Uh, I did not know from the jump that that was the driving force. I did not know that that relationship was the throttle that broke me. The our narrative director, Bennett Smith, did. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also our session director, and so he was always really good at giving us the three D picture of the world that we were playing in. Because they didn't early on, they didn't have enough. They didn't have a lot of reference material to show us. So he was very good at just getting what he needed from each take or each set set of takes that he knew he could then go and piece together. And then he did something that was all that I thought was brilliant. He piped her, at least for me, he piped her performance into my ears. Uh, and once I huge. heard how she was, I went, oh, she's spunky and she's got this little snarky little thing, but it's also kind of cute and endearing but she's also lethal. So I can be sarcastic with her and I can blow her off, but also take her serious. I got everything I needed from Ozzy. And then thank God we started right before COVID hit and her and I got to do a session. together. We got to do oh, one right. day's worth of sessions together. And it was a four hour session. And in that space, we were in the booth together it's the first time I was taking her in physically and going, oh, she's exactly the way I imagined her in my head. Uh, um, she's a firecracker. And she was taking mm-hmm. me in. And we were able to play off of our energy like we were on stage. And once, A, I saw how free she was as an actress in the VO world and in the gaming world, I didn't know, I didn't know how much of me to bring. Um, uh, and by me, I mean energy-wise. I didn't know how much energy needed to be put out and when i saw her do it i went oh i can riff in this character some i can move and maneuver and vocally maneuver and do things that i otherwise don't get to do on stage so i I was like oh i get to use more of my improv experience and and skills in this great happy that 
once that relationship got, I keep looking over in the corner because that's where she was when she was here in the booth. <laughs> she was over to my right. Once we had that relationship locked in, it's not that I knew that it was going to be the driving throttle behind the game. But I also, but what I did know was that if I stay plugged into that relationship, that intensity, that, um, that chemistry will carry the dialogue of right. whatever's mm -hmm. going on between the two of us. Cause as an actor, I know I hate monologue, don't like monologue, never have, but dialogue is great. I like dialogue. I like going back and forth with somebody. Um, yeah. Once I understand, because, you know, in improv, you're taught, what's relationship? What's your relationship? Who's, who you talk to? Who are they? What do they look like? How do they feel to you? How do they make you feel? What do you think of them? All this stuff comes out to create the relationship. And relationship needs to be established really early on in improv in order for your audience to follow you into this world of the unknown where you're telling them, hey, we've got you. Right. We may have gotten the suggestion of shoe, but we're going to end up on the peak of him of, of, of the Himalayas putting a flag in the ground when this scene is all done. And then I'm going to push my partner off and go, oops, here's your shoe. You forgot it. Like, you don't know <laughs> how you're going to get there. But if you say, if you trust us, we got you, we'll take you on this journey. So in gaming, I went, well, it's, I've played games before. I've seen how some of these games are played before. I think Metal Gear, Metal, Metal Gear Solid was the first shooter game that I played. And hats off to my, my girl and fellow nominee, Jennifer Hale, who was in Metal Gear Solid and is a yes. living legend. I got to hang out with her at, uh, at the Baptist. But once I kind of understood that could carry some stuff and at the very least be interesting, I just leaned into it and trusted Bennett and trusted Ozzy, and they did the same with me, and we ended up with magic and lightning in a bottle that I hope we capture it again. I hope to capture something like that again. I don't know that I ever will, but I've been fortunate to be in a really incredible project that is one for the record books, and I'm grateful. Uh, and I'm grateful, and, and, and early on, I did get messages from Bennett telling me it's testing extremely well, and y'all's relationship people are in love with y'all's relationship and your banter so i just trusted it i just trust i had no idea it was going to be this none that to me was one of the i mean it was it's your guys relationship was so it was just fun listening to it and being a part of it it was like almost like being a fly on a wall watching these this cat and mouse these two go back and forth and and the conversations were i mean those were just like regular real well assassins but just having regular real assassin talk talking trash to each other this and that and then as the story goes on again i'm not gonna throw any major spoilers or anything but like as the story goes on your guys's relationship develops more the the other eccentric characters that are a part of this uh just the way that colt just interacted in this world like seriously it, it was it was amazing uh, for me, and it was a lot of fun to be able to have and be this character and, and go on this journey and go on this story uh, as this character. It's like, I can't even imagine, you know, from your perspective, I guess I got to ask, like, how much of, of that performance 
is just straight you or was there some where it's like again you got or you had the opportunity to work together and 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 being in the same uh uh work environment uh for at least one time and having that sessions and being able to bounce off each other like that um you know how much how much did that influence your own personal influence uh went into Cole? uh my that's a great question um my sense of humor most of Colt's sense of humor is my sense of humor. Like the way I will cut a line. Eh, it's a lot of that's me. That's the thing that got me the job. I dialed in and found a sense of humor early on. Just in reading on the page. I mean, my performance is a lot of that's me. The page had mm-hmm. the content there, but my brain could decipher it. I went, oh, I know how to play this guy. Like, I know this guy. Extreme degrees of frustration and just just total flustered frustration. Like, I, I know that dude, <laughs> right? Like, I relate. And, and so I was able to draw on, I was, I'm grateful that that's in me that I could draw on it. I've never been offered the opportunity to draw on it in that way. And then put it in a character who didn't enunciate the way I enunciate and had a different vocal register. Cause his vocal register is a little lower than mine. And had a different thought process. We have similarities, you know, Colt's smart dude. You could tell he's kind of a educated, pseudo educated blue color pulled up by the bootstraps type guy, but he's also really smart because he was the head of security. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, he's a smart dude. You don't get into that position without being intelligent, but he also is cool with flying underneath the radar. I related to all of those things. And look, sometimes the roles are written for, right? It wasn't a stretch for me to get to Colt in the sense of where do I find him in me? He was there, mm-hmm. but I did had, we had to rein him in. We had to definitely rein him in and get him on really tight straps so that pony would get going in one direction and keep right. going in that direction. Because we also have to remember he, he's a black man, but he in the seventies, sixties and seventies, but he's on a deserted Island and vernacular was different at the time. Uh, thought processes were different at that time. We brought no racial stereotypes got brought into this game whatsoever. He was a black man living in a world, in a, he was a black man living in a time period in a world that a black man's never existed in. Right. In that kind of space as a human being. Because, you know, we're talking about characters and the digital and all that, but if we're making real people mm-hmm. that happen to be digitized, Tell me where that black man gets to live, where he's not met with something that tells him how to behave or how to be. Right. Uh, In this particular game, they said, no, here's a gun. Go kill eight people. (laughs) And you free. But there's somebody trying to kill you. (laughs) And there's no consequences. So. That psychological stuff I had to keep running in the back of my head as I was playing some of these roles. Cause there were certain times I would want to improvise a line and Bennett would be like, yeah, we can't use that. We can't go down that road. Like he's over here, not there. And uh-huh. once I was able to rein that in and channel, I went, Oh, I know where he's at. And he was always just right there and I could reach for him and he'd drop in. And we were always off to the races from that point forward, but it was, it, it's, the most work I've done, most consistent work I've ever done in a character for an extended period of time 
where I had to hop in and out of character the entire time. And that was what was exhausting. You know, it, 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 it bringing that up for, and that's something that I noticed too. I mean, there's not a lot of black, uh, just made characters in video games. So it was something that I personally was able to connect with as a character. That was me in there. I am cold. You know what I mean? And I had so much fun playing it. But it's interesting, too, because you're right. This takes place, what, 60s, 70s era. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on out in the outside world, but not in this world. In that not in world, this world, it is what it is. And I loved it. Yes. Yep. That's exactly, like, that's the point. That's what I keep trying to get across. And look, as an actor and as a performer and as a father and a husband, I understand what winning awards could potentially do for my, my billing in the future right. and for opportunity. I would have loved to have won a bunch of awards. It would have been great. Why wouldn't it be? Like, we, who doesn't like to win? Right. I now, I really do understand the notion that being nominated is the one. Because I stepped back and I thought about how many voice, how many actors that are in the voice world that are doing games, how many games got made that are eligible to be nominated, eligible to be even considered for nomination, and how many actors? A couple thousand? Right. Right. right? At least, yeah. At least a couple thousand. And I'm like, oh, I'm one of six or five that are considered the, and I went, wow. Yeah, this is the win. It's all good. And I I was able to understand that it doesn't really matter whether I win or lose. It would have been nice to have the trophy, but I'm not out here in these streets for, you know, mantle decoration. I don't, I'm not, I have trophies. I've got stuff. And I don't feel a way about them either way. I'm like, "Eh, I got to find a new shelf is what it is. I'm like, shit, I got Bill's shelf space now. I got more right. stuff. <laughs> I will. I really did want to win the BAFTA. I am not going to lie, but I didn't want to win. I found out I didn't really want to win for me. It wasn't for me. It's for the people like yourself, Ryan, that have reached out to me and been like, yo, this is the first time I've ever played a game where I feel like that's me playing in this world. And I'm never represented in this world. And to have the spotlight on this character and people that felt that way, that part is why I really wanted to win. Because to me, it would have been saying, hey, we recognize that this particular character broke a ceiling. Yep. Whether it was me or Ozzy, to be honest with you. This ca- these two characters broke through a ceiling barrier and changed the standard, hopefully, or added a new standard and a new step that could be stood upon. Anytime, like for me, anytime those characters are rewarded with an honor of a win, you're saluting what was accomplished and what was done and elevating. You're saying, hey, it's time to go down this road. And mm-hmm. when Denzel won for training day, if you go back and watch it, Denzel was not happy. He was pissed. He was very pissed off. It was the way he was holding it. He was kind of like, y'all gave me an award for this ungrateful, mean-spirited, dark-hearted 
black man that I portrayed and not for this prize fighter who had the entire police and legal system thrown at him and stuck him in jail when he didn't do anything wrong. And he was a beautiful human being. He had a beautiful spirit. Right. You didn't nominate. You didn't give me an award for Hurricane, but you gave me an award for Training Day. Okay. Right. right. He was not happy. To me, I was like, oh, see, if they had said Hurricane Carter, they, they, getting an award for Hurricane Carter would have been, oh, an award for Hurricane, not Denzel. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Right. You're saying, hey, we honor this man who went through all of this. We're, and we think you all got it right. They gave it to Train, his character in Train. I don't even remember. Alonzo, Lowe's, I don't remember his name. But they gave it to him because it's just me spitting. But it's like, oh, well, that's a construct that we are comfortable with and we identify with. And maybe we got it wrong in the past. Well, this is more of a, this is more of a body of work. So here you go. Right. I'm aware when like the molds being broken a little bit, being changed. And I was aware through award season, people were talking about it. And I went, oh, this is affecting a lot of black men and black women who've never seen themselves playing in a world without stereotype. His name wasn't Luther and his name wasn't Jerome or Jackson or anything. And he wasn't six foot eight and muscle bound. He was a regular dude. Right. Stuck in a jacked up situation. and kept his wits in his mind about him and had and navigated his way through. And I know this is a long dissertation and long, uh, this is a long point, but it does not land on deaf ears when I hear you say that. And I wanted to win for you and all the yous that are out there. Cause I know what it would have meant for you all to see this particular character honored in that way. But he was honored because he got nominated. So to me, that's, that is the win. And I'm, that is the win. Exactly. That is the win. Really grateful for it. And London is an amazing town. I can't wait to go back. You know, what, what, what's been fascinating is, is we've had other guests on and, and just to hear their thoughts on, um, what, what they think of, of people looking to them for inspiration or, or looking to them as, as, as role models. And, and we've heard some, some varying viewpoints on that as the reception for death loop started to come in like when w- once that starts to sink in you know and it, and it's overwhelmingly positive and and i'm sure lots of of fans reaching out to you talking to you about the performance and what it's meant to them how does how did that change and and were you like not that not that everyone goes into every project going like this is going to be like the most self-important project you know that i've worked on but when how when did that change like how does that change the way you you view not only the process but then afterwards games released and you're you're seeing the the effect that it does have kind of change your thinking on on how you're going about talking about it presenting it and and thinking about it and embracing uh its legacy going forward Uh, that's a great question lucas um i am an actor and i'm a worker so I don't go into anything with any expectation that it's going to be the next greatest thing. I don't go into anything that I do with ego. That's all ego talking where someone goes, Oh, this is going to be this. And it's going to be that. And I learned that lesson very early on in my career, working with filmmakers who made projects, um, some on shoestring budgets that they all approached what they were creating as if it was going to be the next big thing. 
And I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've been around it enough times to hear people stroking their own ego. And I'm going, yeah, but it doesn't work like that. Like my brain was going, oh, what it is, what's happening? I kept going, why is it, why is that bother me when somebody does that? Mm-hmm. And I came into this industry as a fan first, a viewer. And right. I was aware of what happens in the viewer's world. The viewer doesn't know any of the technical stuff. We don't see the script. We don't see lighting. We don't see angles. And we don't see any of the technical craft that exists in droves. We don't see the clothes. We don't see any of it. Was this entertaining or was this a moving story? Did I care? Right? And did it hurt when somebody that I cared about experienced loss? Did you take me on a journey? So I approached it from that point of view and I realized, oh, it bothers me because you think you can create something that's going to make me as a viewer feel something that you want me to feel. Right. That's not how this shit works. Excuse my language. But that's not how it works. Our job is to create. And once we're done creating, our job is to take our baby and put it in the hands of the public and go, not what do you think? Not I hope you like it. I have been slaving away developing this and creating this thing for three months or two years. Uh, Here. I made it for you. I did not know Deathloop was going to be this. I did not know Colt was going to have this. I went to bed one day with 25 people on my Twitter and woke up with 800 the next morning. And I went, who in, excuse me, I went, who in the fuck are these people? I don't know you. Why are you following me? And how am I supposed to possibly follow all of you back? I don't know. And then I went, oh, they really dig Deathloop. Interesting. Okay. You can, there's nothing like the transition from going from unknown to known. Because you, it's, because you can't go backwards. Right. 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 Can't go back. I no one knew who Jason Kelly was, except for me and the people that knew me. And now people, some people know amounts from 16, 1700, know who Jason Kelly is because of this game. And that's just on PS5. When it comes, if it comes out on another platform, if it comes out on another platform, <laughs> we're gonna go through it all over again and the numbers are gonna yep. jump even more, right? And I cannot say that I knew that this was going to happen. I didn't. You never do. Anybody that says they do, this is where, this is where my gift to read the ether always steps back and goes, you can do this for other people, but you're not allowed to do this for you. Right. I am not allowed because I've done it. I've tried. Oh, this is going to be the, it falls flat. I just go, you know what? My gift to see in that way is not meant for me to benefit and give. It's meant for me to go to other people and give that to them. And I just focus, I'm an actor, I focus on the work, I put my head down, and I only come up for air when it's time for that portion of the job to start promoting and pushing and you know mm-hmm. being out in the public and connecting. And even with it, like I don't always say the most corporately correct stuff. I don't like, I have a little bit, of, I got a little live wire in here. So you put me out there. I'm good at it, but you're going to get a hundred percent of me. I'm not going to censor. Right. 
I'm aware of certain platforms where I'm like, don't say that, say that. But the media game's a whole different part of the job. Mm-hmm. And I've had people approach me for autographs. I've had people approach me at the games awards, young folks wanting to take photos with me, which blew my mind. I had an incredible experience at, at the BAFTAs with a gentleman who was probably within eight years of me and my age, who was just taken. He just loved the character. He was a Londoner. He's born and raised there. And he just was flustered. And I realized what was happening. And I slowed down because I was having a conversation with two other people, figuring out Uh where we were going and finishing the combo. And he was standing in between. I realized every time I do this, he moves his center body to wherever I am, to wherever my face is. I went, oh, I was like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, man, I'm Jason. How you doing? I slowed down and took a moment. Right. Because I realized, I was like, oh, he wants to say something. Okay. I don't, my brain's going, oh, he just wants to talk. I didn't go, oh, he knows your cult. Right, right. right. I don't, because I don't think of myself in that context of fame. I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have a framework for that, right? I'm just a dude. Right? I'm just an approachable. This is how I am. Right? Uh, I gesture too much, talk a lot. I got some good stories, <laughs> make jokes. Um, I'm approachable. He just was like, oh my gosh, Mike. Oh, what a wonderful chance to meet. And I'm like, wow, this is a man in my generation who's a gamer and a performer who loves my work loves the work that we did so much that he's having a hard time communicating with me because of whatever it is in his head that he's created. Right. And I get to fulfill a moment by either dismantling what was in his head by being an ass (laughs) or giving him back something that's going to make him feel good about the 58 hours he spent playing my game. Right. And again, being older, having success later in life, having done the work, like the work, I keep going back across the screen, the work, (laughs) I've done the work for so long that when people are taken by my work, I'm like, oh, I did the work so that I have moments like this where I can honor this moment and say, hey, yeah, thank you for loving the work that we did. And I hope I make you proud. I hope you enjoyed yourself and I hope I can make everybody feel the same. Every time I get a chance at a lead or supporting role, I hope that I can put in that kind of fire into the, into the role that people go killed it again. Didn't phone it in, gave everything he got. That's why I like this dude. I hope that's the reason why people end up liking me and my fan base grows and explodes. And I have a huge career from this point forward. I hope it's because they go, he didn't phone it in. That is the, the goal. I think that's my job, right? To not worry about how it's going to play out, to not worry about whether it's going to be successful. No, I don't go into anything with a weight on my shoulder of, oh, I got to hit a, another home run. I'm like, no, I got to go in right. and do my work. I got to go in and do the work that I'm, my craft that I've practiced and have a skill at and trust that I have a director that knows how to guide me. Because as much of that performance as my vocals, that's Bennett Smith telling me, Go this way, go that way, think about it this way, feel this. This is the world that he's going in. Okay, this thing's happening, blah, 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 and then cop. 
cult does this and yet and then rev it up here and then be clear on this word and it's raketo plan not raketo plan and like all these little nuances keeping me honest that's bennett that's not jason that's bennett telling jason to play this note he's the director mm-hmm. he's orchestrating i'm i'm the saxophonist i'm in there just playing jazz and he's like right. yeah go back fix that right because it's all musical to me so no one knows that they're writing a hit when they're writing hits they can have an ego about it and go this is gonna be a banger and it may you probably get to a point where you know like kanye knows when he's gonna drop some right 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 i'm pretty sure michael i'm pretty sure michael jackson was sitting there going he's like yeah that's gonna be a hit that's gonna be fine i mean i'm confident right confident Mm -hmm. that you get to a certain point in your craft where you know it's going to be great but i'm not at that point and i hope i never get to that point where i know because once you get to the point where you know then some of the mystery and the magic of of it goes away i always want to be surprised i did bohai and horizon forbidden west i had no Mm -hmm. idea what horizon forbidden west was going to be some people like my character like yeah he's a dick i'm like great that's what we were going for but you know he's one of a hundred little characters in that game that has a moment that helps drive some of the cinematics forward but i didn't no one's hit me up about that no one's hit me up about doom eternal playing doom slayer he doesn't he doesn't say much but i i don't i don't I don't put, I think when you start putting the pressure of your, of, of, I think once you start putting the pressure of being great on your shoulders, it will slip away. And instead of focusing on being great, I focus on just let me be really great at the work. Let me focus Mm -hmm. on the work and make sure that the work is at the top of my game. And then I got to put this thing in y'all's hands and you all decide. It has right. nothing to do with me. So if I have a dud, I don't care. I don't want to have duds, but the dud right. ain't me. The dud is the dud is y'all just didn't vibe. They didn't buy it. You didn't like it. Okay, right. great. Mm-hmm. Back to the drawing board. I'll have to figure out what about that character didn't resonate enough in me, so that it didn't resonate with the audience. But I'm I not feel bad about was... it. What happens? I'm going to go off on a tangent here because I actually was going to bring up Doom. <laughs> so. On Twitter, you had teased that one of your your upcoming projects was going to be set in a universe with one of these letters, <laughs> and I think it was like J K L M N O P. So okay, so the conspiracy side of me, because like I immediately was just like trying to to piece anything I could together here. <laughs> um, Doom takes place on Mars, and M is one of the letters. <laughs> Which I would classify Mars as kind of its own universe, given given the lineage of that game. There, um, uh. just between friends, just just between us three here. <laughs> Are you involved in in that the the reported new Doom project? It's not that. Okay. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. It's a good guess though, but it's not. Okay. Okay. It's not that. That not that I know. Of. They haven't called me. It's Good not to know. It's something else. Okay. It's something else. Yeah. But future projects, you're saying you've got some things that are going to be dropping here uh, 
suit that you've been working on. Uh, what's got you excited about those projects that, you know, moving forward and, and the characters and things that you're doing within those projects? Yeah. Um, the funny thing is once you do have a, once you have a successful year and reach the pinnacle, like we were lucky to get with the BAFTAs, casting becomes more aware of you. The casting agency that cast you in the game puts you near the top of their list. And so it's so hard. I, I, I'm excited about the next three games that I've got coming up. Um, one of them's in a big, big, big space. I don't know the platform and I don't know the popularity of the game, but the characters are super popular and to play around in that world is a lot of fun. Uh, the one after that, all these games, when they come to us, they're, they're under project names. So we don't know what they are until we get right. to the recording session and either you recognize the character you don't. So the last one I just did, I recognized who it was. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what this is. I've actually, I've played this character before in another game. Um, I think in another country, but I actually think it's also here. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I was just talking to myself right there. The next project, I don't know what world it is in. Uh, and there was another game that I did towards the tail end of COVID that I recorded actually in my booth here. My agent hasn't told me. It's like probably two, it's probably another year out before it comes out. But she said, oh, it's a huge title. Huge title. Okay. You'll know it when you hear it. Um, and I was like, what about my character? She's like, um, you're like the voice in the sky for the main character. And I went, oh, okay. She's like, you'll be happy when it comes out. And I'm like, well, great. I have no idea what it is. So let me go back here and audition some more. And the next one that's coming up that I'm recording next month, um, like I'm actually gonna, I have work to do on this one. Like this isn't something that just, which thank God it's like this. This is something that's going to require all of my skills and all of my craft to, to pull off. And I'm really excited about the challenge. Really excited about the challenge. And that's, you know, that's the weight of being recognized for your work is like, you can't show up and suck. Right. Like, exactly. You can't show up and phone it in. you got to bring it. So I'm mm -hmm. back to the drawing board, calling my coaches, my round of coaches that I work with and going, Hey, I don't have copy. I have character breakdowns. So let's use this single blank piece of copy that is just a conversation with no punctuation. It's actually an actor's, it's a, it's an exercise scene. Actually, it's like just a simple scene of back and forth dialogue and there's no punctuation. And we the act it's used to teach the actor that there's no wrong and that whatever comes out of you, make it right, make it work emotionally. So I use this as a template whenever I have to create characters that I don't have the copy for. And if I have to play multiple characters in a game and this is one of those scenarios. So I get with my coaches and I go to my improv school. I go to my improv training and we just, we create them from the ground up, starting with how I walk and how I move and what kind of shoes they're wearing, what kind of pants they're wearing, boxers or briefs and right. or command or commando. Like who are these dudes? And we work from the ground up and we'll create a character. And then the voice will be the last thing that comes. And it's all informed by how you're moving and how you feel, how you think. And then once we get to that, we'll bring the language into it. 
it's an incredibly fun process. And I'm looking forward to getting back to work on it. I'm looking forward to getting to work on that. And other, other things, I'm auditioning all the time, man. So I have no idea what's next and what's in store this year. I don't know that I have any leads yet that I know of. I've auditioned for some that I didn't get, you know, as the lead. Um, that's the way it goes. Like, there's still work to do. Absolutely. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yo, <laughs> lay it on people. Where can people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs. Um, on, the, on the interwebs. Uh-huh, <laughs> Y'all can find me uh, moseying around on Twitter at uh, Jason Kelly dash JK. And that's Jason Kelly with an E-Y. Not just a Y. Um, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think just about, let me double check. I think all of my stuff is Jason Kelly EY, uh, either dot JK or, uh oh, just lost lighting. Um, <laughs> either dot JK or dash JK on social media. Uh, on mm-hmm. IG, it's dot. And yeah, hold on. Yeah, Jason Kelly. Not JK on IG, where you're more than happy to, more than willing to, more than ha- welcome to come on there and follow and like. Um, and then dash underscore JK on Twitters. Um, and then link tree at Jason Kelly. Excellent. Again, thank you Perfect. so much. This has been absolutely fantastic. I, again, I can't say enough. <sighs> how much I love Deathloop, how much I love the character of Colt, and the work that you put in uh, was definitely felt and received on my end. So thank you, sir. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. It was made for you. Absolutely. I did mean that. That's what I'm talking about. Lucas, what do you got going on uh, this weekend? What are your plans? What are you playing? Did you did you get into any Sifu? Uh I'm still working my way up to it. I'm still, I, like, I have, okay, here's the issue, is I, every time I'm ready to start it, like, I think back to just how angry that game makes me, and I start to be like, ah, no, okay, I'm 100% committed that, that there's no more putting it off, it's gonna start, and I'm gonna have, like, some tea next to me to, like, help me calm yeah. me down, and yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna work. Also. Uh, Ryan, I'm gonna need you to. I, I'm serious about this, man. You got to get another escape room or two. Get back into the swing of things here <laughs> before Let we jump know. into Saw. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm totally be down. You got it. And Jason, doors always open for you to come into a home poker game or even in a casino if that's what if that's uh, more your your fancy here. And uh, I will not ask you again to join the Saw escape room. But if you have a change of heart. <laughs> <laughs> right what are you up to this weekend we we get killed in every horror movie except for jordan <laughs> peele stuff so i ain't coming he's out need that okay. experience <laughs> I, I will admit this because my girlfriend's black and that's like the first thing she brought up to me she's just like no i'm like oh like i already know right? how this plays out i already know i already know how this out. plays out nope not gonna get us not gonna get us Nope. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you this already weekend, know. Yeah, you know, I mean, we can't we can't play those games. Um this weekend, I'm trying to look. 
I think I have a dental cleaning on Saturday. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's my weekend. That's what it consists of. Nah, it's just going to be, my wife was out of town this week, past weekend at a bachelorette party, and I had my son all weekend long. So I'm pretty sure it's just me and her and him are just going to chill this coming weekend. Keep it chill. Keep nice. it chill, family time. He's 15 months, so that's just a fun age. Yeah. A- anything we do is just, it's, it's, it's more than amazing. So we'll probably, hopefully the weather, weather will be great, and we'll go out somewhere in L.A. and have lunch, dinner, or whatever, and just hang out with him. Keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, I, I probably do a little gaming in. I still have PC stuff that I need to get worked out. This is a busy, because there's NAB in town this week, so there's that convention out here. Uh, so I'm going to try to get some games in. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to do, though. I've got some other projects that I'm working on. Uh, so we'll see. I know that we've talked about doing some Tiny Tinas. So I, I'm, I'm going to try to find some time at least to get some Tiny Tinas in because uh, I'm having a blast playing that game. Uh, but other than that, just just hopefully keep it chill and, and recover from all the traveling and stuff uh, that I've done. But... Thank you guys so much for listening today. Don't forget, hit us up on the tweeters at LandPartiesPod, at LucasEggen, or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces.